Today we're going to talk about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I'm not going to preach to you today. I'm going to talk to you, if that's okay. Um, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I'm just going to read a passage of scripture to you. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 9. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. That just happens to be my favorite translation of the Bible. Starting at verse 1, here it is. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to meet his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Father, today I pray that you'd speak to us through your word, make it known to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us faith and give us understanding, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Today we're gonna to talk about the resurrection. We're gonna talk about the resurrection of Jesus and first and foremost, why it's relevant. Now, if you're with us and you're already a believer in Jesus Christ, I could talk matter-of-factly about the resurrection and you'd be right with me. Yeah. But if you're with us today and you're not already a believer in Jesus Christ, the resurrection, the story of the resurrection sounds to you probably like a piece of ancient Christian mythology. Hmm. And the question you might ask is, why should I even believe in it at all? Hmm. I mean, what is the... Where, where, what's the evidence? There's no, it's just something that you know, Christians believe everywhere, but there's really no evidence at all. I want to start by saying to you that there's actually more evidence than you might think to support the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, one thing that hangs up a lot of people that prevents people from coming to faith in Jesus is the idea that Christianity is built upon blind faith, that you just have to believe blindly if you're going to be a Christian. I want to start by telling you I don't believe in blind faith, and I'm not asking anybody to believe anything blindly. I don't believe you should believe anything blind, blindly. There is evidence, and I want to start by sharing some of that with you today. There's a well-known author by the name of Lee Strobel. He was an investigative reporter and an atheist, and his wife had an experience, and she came to faith in Jesus and became a believer. When he found out that his wife was a believer, he was very distressed and so he set out on a quest to disprove all of the core tenets of the Christian faith. He thought he was trying to rescue his wife from this, you know, deception called Christianity, from this fantasy 
about Jesus being King of Kings and Lord of Lords and God and all of that stuff. So he, he brings all of his investigative journalistic skills to the table and decides that he's going to pick apart the, the core tenets of the Christian faith one by one. And he decides that the quickest and easy way to go about it was to disprove the resurrection. Because if you could disprove the resurrection of Jesus, if the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, then our faith is in vain. Yeah. We're believing in some guy who died in ancient Palestine 2,000 years ago, and he's still dead. And so our faith in him does nothing if he is not risen from the dead. So he decides to dissect all of the information yeah. and disprove the resurrection. Well, so when he starts looking at the, 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 uh, the evidence and the story, he began to realize that disproving it was not going to be as easy as he thought. Yeah. You see, at the time of the resurrection, after the resurrection happened, the story that was circulated by the, sold, the guards, the soldier guards who were at the tomb at the time of Jesus. So to backtrack a little, you've got to understand that Jesus had claimed during his lifetime that he would rise again from the dead after three days or on the third day. So because of that, the Roman authorities posted a guard at the tomb, sealing the tomb with a large stone and a Roman seal over the tomb, which made it nearly impossible to break that, that seal. Now, after, after the resurrection happens, the guards, they go back and they tell their leaders, they're like, what happened? They're like, this angel appeared and we just became like dead men. We fell before him. He rolled the stone away and Jesus came out of the tomb. So they tell the story and they're saying, no, 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 don't tell that story. Tell them you guys fell asleep on the job and the disciples came and stole his body. So now here's the thing. What they had to deal with in the first century was the empty tomb. How do you deal with the fact that his body is gone? And that's why they set the guard there in the first place. So the story they told was, we fell asleep on the job and the disciples came, broke in the tomb, hijacked the tomb and stole his body. First and foremost, that is uh, pretty far-fetched. Just, just that piece of the story is pretty far-fetched. You'd have to believe that these timid Galileans, 11 disciples of Jesus, overtook a troop of Roman guards, highly trained Roman guards, broke a Roman seal, rolled away a huge stone, carried out the body of Jesus, <laughs> Like while these guards were sleeping, first of all, you got to believe these guards slept through the breaking of a Roman seal, the rolling away of a huge stone and the carrying out of the body of Jesus. First of all, you got to believe that that is far fetched. The second thing you have to believe is that these soldiers would fall asleep on the third day, <laughs> like right when he said, <laughs> like literally they were posted there because they were told, look, this guy said he's going to rise from the dead on the third day. So you guys seal the tomb and guard it against the third day. So you got to believe that these highly trained Roman guards would fall asleep at the exact moment that Jesus had claimed in his life that he was going to rise from the dead. So that's far-fetched, right? But even if you could believe that, right? Even if, even if you could believe that, this was the kicker for Lee Strobel. As he began to search these things out, this was the thing that he could not get out of his mind. Let's say... The, the, the soldiers did go to sleep. Let's say the disciples drugged them, you know, and uh, whatever. And let's say they were able to break the seal and roll away the stone. And let's say they, you know, they hijacked the tomb and they took the body of Jesus out and hid it, you know, Jimmy Hoffa style, 
you know, so that nobody could ever find it. Let's, let's say that happened. And then they got together in a room and they conspired and they said, look, here's the story we're going to tell. An angel came, rolled away the stone, raised Jesus from the dead. He's alive and we've all seen him. So let's, let's agree on that story, right? And so they agreed on the story and began to preach Jesus. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> you know, some people might say, all right, that's a plausible story, you know, because these guys were really zealous, you know. But actually, if you look at the details of the story, these guys were not zealous and bold. These guys were scared to death. Mm. Peter... Just, the, just two days earlier, Peter was denying that he even knew Jesus, you know? And, and none of the disciples even had the guts to stand at the, at, the, at the cross with them while he was dying. They were all hiding. They were running for their lives. And after the crucifixion, they all went into hiding because they thought they were, they were, they were next. Yeah. So how did they go from being, you know, scared and timid and running for their lives and denying Jesus? John was the only disciple who had the, the balls to stand at the at the, the cross with Jesus when Jesus was dying and suffering on the cross. The rest of the disciples were hiding. You're telling me these guys who were, were timid and afraid all of a sudden became so bold that they were willing to stand under persecution and boldly declare that, they, that Jesus had risen from the dead and, and that they had all seen him when 45 minutes prior they were scared. But even if you could believe that, here's the kicker. <laughs> Even if you could believe that, yeah. this, this was the thing Lee Strobel couldn't get over. Hmm. All of these disciples not only boldly declared in the face of persecution that Jesus was alive yeah. and that they had seen him, hmm. but they all died painful and terrible deaths, most all but one, all but John, because of that testimony. Hmm. And Strobel, as an investigative reporter who's taught and trained to question things intently. Yeah. The question he couldn't get out of his mind was, if they made up the story, why didn't at least one of them crack? Yeah. Why didn't at least one of them go, okay, 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 okay don't kill me. You know what I mean? Like, all right, look, look, we made it up. We made it up. <laughs> we hit his body. I'll tell you where we hit it. You'll find his bones. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like why were all of them who were timid and afraid one moment mm -hmm. and in the next moment they were bold Peter was denying him. Wow. And then the next moment, he's standing up preaching boldly and saying, he's alive and we've seen him. Where did that boldness come from? They're standing in front of the Jewish council who's threatening them saying, we're going to kill you if you keep preaching that Jesus is alive. And Peter says, bring it, kill us. We're, we're ready to go. We're going to obey God rather than man. Where did that boldness come from? And where did the willingness to go to their grades and to, to suffer a terrible death come from. And Lee Strobel, when he, when he got, he couldn't escape that question. And so instead of disproving the Christian faith, he became a believer. And uh, he wrote some books. He wrote a book called The Case for Christ. And he became a pastor. And he joined his wife in, in her Christian faith. Now, does that prove that Jesus rose from the dead? No, it doesn't prove it. It doesn't prove it. But it demonstrates the plausibility of it. Mm. That believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just based on blind faith. Mm. It's not just based on just close your eyes and just believe it. But that there is a plausibility structure to the Christian faith. Mm. And the foundation of that plausibility yeah. is the resurrection of Jesus Christ mm. and that he's real. Amen. Now, I, I want to say that when it comes to faith, there's this there's this continuum of faith. Mm. 
If we think of it this way, like there's negative 10 and then there's zero and then there's positive 10. And all of us are probably somewhere in that continuum. So negative 10 is what I call like angry atheism, right? Negative 10 is you not only fervently believe that God does not exist, but you are, are, are radical in that belief. Like you are radically, you are, you are an atheist fundamentalist, yeah. right? Yeah. And then positive 10 is, is maybe like apostleship, right? So from atheism on the one hand to apostleship on the other, where you not only fervently believe that Jesus is alive yeah. and that he lives in you and that you're walking with him and, you know, and, and he talks with you and, yeah. you know, but, but you have devoted your life and your everything and every moment of your every day to proclaiming that truth to the ends of the earth, right? So that's positive 10. And then zero is maybe agnosticism. That's where it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's alive. I don't know if he's real. I don't know if Jesus is real or not. He might be, mm -hmm. maybe, I'm not sure. I just don't have the evidence and, and I don't know. But agnosticism actually is the belief that it's not possible for us to know. Like, I don't know, and I'm not even sure if it's possible yeah. to know. And so some of us are, all of us really are probably somewhere in that continuum. Maybe you're watching today and you're at a negative three. You know, you're at a negative five. Maybe you're watching today and you're at a positive two or a yeah. positive three. You're not all the way there yet, but you, you know something's going on there and you're just not sure what it is. Um, I want to say to you that in, in one message, I'm not trying to move everybody to positive ten. Okay, I want to just get it out of your mind and heart that I'm trying to move you all the way to positive 10. If you're at negative two, maybe I could move you to zero, <laughs> right? If you would just open your heart and yeah, just listen yeah, yeah, yeah. and understand, maybe if you're at zero, maybe if I could move you to two or three. Mm. I, I'm just believing God, the spirit of God to take you where you are and just move you just a little bit closer to Jesus than you were before you heard this message. Now, here's the, 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 the burden of evidence is sometimes we approach the Christian faith and especially if you don't know Jesus yet, there's this sense, this feeling that God expects you to know things that, that there's really no way for you to know, right? Comedian Dwayne Perkins, he tells this story about his grandmother and he said uh, every time she cooked rice, she burned it and blamed him, right? So he said he'd be in the, in the living room watching TV and his grandmother will come in and go, boy, you trifling. And he said, what's wrong, grandma? And she'd say, you can't smell that rice burning right there in the kitchen. And he'd go, oh, Grandma, I thought you had that. I didn't know I was responsible for that. And he said, another time he's outside playing with his friends, and his grandmother comes outside and goes, boy, you trifling. And he said, what I do now, Grandma? She said, you can't see the smoke coming out of my, my kitchen window up there. And he's like, oh, Grandma, I'm playing outside with my kids. How am I supposed to be responsible for your cooking, you know? And he said, then he grew up and moved to Los Angeles to become a comedian. And his grandma called him on the phone one day and said, boy, you trifling. He said, what I do now, Grandma? She said, you can't turn on Channel 2 News and see my house burning down, <laughs> you know? And that's how a lot of people experience the Christian faith. It's like God expects you to know things that there's no way for you to know. Yeah. And then he judges you. He's like, boy, you trifling. Girl, you trifling. You don't believe in Jesus. Can't you see that? And, and there's this sense. And a lot of times us Christians, we proclaim the judgment of God without the evidence, mm. you know? Yeah. Or we proclaim religion without the reality of who Jesus is. Let me, let me first say to you that the, the, the point of this message and the point of the Christian faith is not to get you to stop doing things that we would call sinful, mm -hmm. right? That's not what it's all about. Jesus told a story about the kingdom of heaven when he talked yeah. about 
uh, the, our walk with God and, and what Christianity really is all about, the Christian faith. He said it's like a field that a man was walking in yeah, yeah, yeah. and he stumbled upon this treasure that was buried in the ground and he dug it up and he said this was a treasure that was more valuable than anything he had ever experienced in the world. It was more valuable than his whole life. And, it, and Jesus said, in his joy, he buried it again, went out and sold all he had and came back and bought that field, right? And so he bought the field because he wanted the treasure. You see, walking away from certain things and not uh, behaving in certain ways, that standard and all the ethics of the Christian faith, that's the field. But yeah. without the treasure, which is Jesus himself, the reality of Jesus himself, why would I want the field without the treasure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I want you to find the treasure. The, the, the point of the Christian faith is finding Jesus for yourself. Yeah. And when you find Jesus for yourself, you will gladly buy the field. You'll gladly sell all you have to buy the field. Yeah, yeah. It's not about simply believing in the historicity of the resurrection. Mm. It's about encountering the reality of of the presence of Jesus. It's about knowing that he is real. Yeah. And there's, there's no amount of reasoning, of intellectualism, of argumentation, or of evidence. Even if I could give you all of the evidence in the world, if I could give you irrefutable evidence that Jesus is real, that he yeah. died for your sins, and that he rose again from the dead, yeah. it would not be enough to satisfy your curiosity, yeah, yeah. and nor would it be enough to produce faith in you. Mm. The one thing that can produce faith in you is a living encounter with Jesus Amen. himself. Amen. That is, if he becomes real. Wow. And in order to have that encounter, you simply need to open your heart. Mm. All right, now, if I, I told you the story of, of uh, Dwayne Perkins and his grandmother to kind of give you an example of what we feel like it's like, mm. but what it's not really like. Mm. It's, it's actually not like that at all, yeah. right? Let me tell you what it's actually like. So I've been doing a lot of music production uh, over the last few weeks yeah. and uh, working on worship for these uh, weekend services that we've been doing online. Mm. And it takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours every week to get that done, a along with a whole team of people that's been working uh, behind the, uh, the scenes. I am by no means single-handedly doing this. Um, but last week, I'm sitting at my keyboard. I, I got my laptop there. And I'm working on music and I got my headphones on mm. and the music is blasting in my ears and I'm playing and I'm mm. singing and I'm, you know, and I'm doing my thing and I'm playing and I'm singing and I'm, uh, I'm mixing that up uh, and I'm just in my own world. And this goes on for like a couple hours, yeah. right? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I wish I would have videotaped this mo moment. My wife taps me on the shoulder and I pause everything and I take off my ear, my headphones. She goes, don't you hear me calling you? <laughs> I said, what? She said, I've been calling you for more than an hour. I've been screaming your name for more than an hour. I'm like, what? You, you've been calling me? I didn't hear anything. She goes, don't you even check your phone? I've called you multiple times. I've texted you multiple times. I've screamed your name. And I looked at my phone. My phone was just down over here. And I looked at my phone and it was blown up with messages from her calls. And, and it dawned on me at that moment that she was nearby. I was nearby. She yeah. was nearby. Yeah. I was nearby but I couldn't hear her. Mm. Not because she wasn't real, not because she wasn't near, but because I had my headphones on yeah. and I was lost in the music of my own world. You see, this is what it's actually like. God is closer to you than you could ever imagine. He's calling your name. His love is nearby. You say, I don't see him. I don't feel him. I don't hear him. Yeah. I, I don't, I, how, how, how do I have that? How, how can I know yeah. that God is near me? 
because you got your headphones on. That's why you don't see him. Yeah, That's why yeah, you don't hear him. Yeah. You're lost in the music of your own world. And this is the thing. We tend to want God to enter into our headphones and speak to us through the music of our own world. Wow. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. we want to connect with God without changing anything we're doing. Yeah. Without stopping to give him our attention. Just join, jump in, create your own track, God, in the, pro, in the project I'm, I'm creating here. Mm. And just jump in the track and speak to me through the music of my own world. Mm. That not only does not work in relationship with God, think about it. It doesn't work in any relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work with your wife. It doesn't work with your husband. It doesn't work with your kids. It doesn't work with your boss. It doesn't work with your teacher at school. It doesn't work with your friends. Every relationship requires yeah. that you meet the individual that you wish to have a relationship with on their own terms. Every relationship. What if I would have told my wife, baby, look, if you want to talk to me, you're going to need to jump in the track here and record a track so that I could hear you in my earphones because <laughs> I need to be able to relate to you without stopping and taking off my earphones. No, in order to connect with my wife, I had to stop the tape. Yeah. I had to stop my music. I had to put everything on pause, take off my headphones yeah. and turn and give her my undivided attention. You will never hear God unless you stop the music of your own world, take off your headphones and give him your undivided attention. Stop and say, God, I'm listening. God, I open my ears. Look, it's okay not to know, but the skepticism that says, prove it, God, if you're real, prove it to me. Jump into my headphones. You'll be there for the rest of your life. You'll never experience him. Hmm. His terms are clear. You've got to open your heart and opening your heart simply means stopping to yeah. take a step based on the limited evidence that you've been yeah, presented. Yeah. Now in this story, these women come to the tomb and they find the stone rolled away. Mm. The soldiers petrified and the tomb is empty. And then there's this angel in there, which was really just a young man in a white garment. Mm. So there's evidence. They haven't seen Jesus yet. Yeah. They, they haven't seen the actual evidence that Jesus is alive. That, that is, they haven't encountered him personally yet. Yeah, yeah, they just yeah. see the evidence of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. The empty tomb and this dude in a white robe sitting inside the empty tomb. And, and the man says to them, he's not here. I know you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Go tell his disciples to go to Galilee. They're going to see him there. Now, these women had a choice. They could have stopped and said, well, where is he at then? I mean, if you want me to believe he's alive, you got to show him to me. Yeah, 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 I need yeah. to see proof. You better bring Jesus out here. I need to see. No, all they saw was the evidence and they took the next step mm. based on the evidence. Wow. What did they do? They yeah, obeyed yeah. the word of the angel and they turned and they began to move towards the disciples in obedience to the word of the angel. Do you see what the angel said? So good. The first thing you need to do when you see the evidence is go connect with the other disciples. That's the first thing that you're going to need to do. If your heart is opening even just a little bit to these words of mine, the first thing you're going to need to do, even, I'm not saying yeah, you've got to yeah. become number 10, positive 10. No, you, you simply need to say, my heart is open a little bit more. Now I need to move towards the disciples. Go back to the community. Go to the community. Connect with the disciples. And we have a mechanism in our church called our community groups. And our community groups is simply a context in which as your heart begins to awaken to the possibility 
of the reality of God, as your heart begins to awaken and say, okay, I've seen the empty tomb. I haven't seen Jesus yet, but I've seen the empty tomb. I need to go to the disciples. Mm. You can find that here. Yeah, yeah. Just go to livinghopecc.us slash community yeah. and say, I need to connect with some of the disciples because I want to grow in my understanding of the reality of who Jesus is. But here's what's powerful. As these ladies took that step and started moving towards the disciples, yeah. all of a sudden Jesus himself meets them wow. on the way. Look at this. I'm going to read it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, mm. saying, Rejoice. Wow. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. That is, as they moved towards the community, wow. they met Jesus himself. Had they stood at the tomb and said, you know what? I'm going to wait till I see Jesus personally. You tell him to come right here and show me who he is. No, 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 no. You got to take off your headphones, wow. which means to give God your undivided attention. And then you've got to take steps toward him. And the step toward him that he asks you to take yeah. is a step towards his community. Wow. Go tell his disciples. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to stop and tell the disciples, hey guys, I've seen the evidence. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen him yet, yeah. but I've seen the empty tomb. Wow. I know yeah. the tomb is empty. And you know what? The empty tomb is a historical fact. I've been there. The empty tomb is a historical fact that you have to deal with. His body is gone. You know, either his disciples hit him Jimmy Hoffa-like, or he <laughs> actually rose from the dead the way he said. You've got to deal with that fact. But these ladies, when they saw the evidence, they took a step. They took a step. Listen, I'm going to ask you to take a step today. This is simply about becoming conscious, taking a step towards the consciousness of the presence of God. When you begin to take steps toward God, you become more and more conscious of his presence as you go. And Jesus, Jesus himself, meets you on the way. And I believe that as you take steps towards God, Jesus himself is going to meet you mm. on the way. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Precious Heavenly And he paid the ultimate price, giving his life mm. so that we might live. Mm. Precious Father, today I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice would experience your drawing near in their hearts and in their minds. And that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would begin to open hearts, you would begin to open eyes, mm. and you begin to open lives. Mm. Listen, if you're with me today, you're hearing me today, and you just feel your heart is opening just a little bit. I'm just going to invite you to say a simple prayer with me. It's simply a prayer by which you ask God to open your heart all the way. Yeah. You're not asking him to show you a religion. You're asking him to show you himself. And don't you want to know God? I mean, I, I, I think if God is real, it, I think even atheists, even hardcore atheists, if, they, if God was willing to meet them personally, they would want to know him. 
Because actually it's built into your being as a human being. It's built into you to yeah. desire to know God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm simply asking you to act on that desire. Mm. I'm simply asking you to obey that thirst. Yeah. And just pray this simple prayer, mm. asking God to open your heart and to mm. open your mind mm. and to make himself known to you. And if you hear my voice and you're willing to pray that prayer with me, would you, would you just close your eyes right where you are? And matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody listening, if you're willing, to pray this prayer. Just repeat these words after me, but repeat them. I'm going to ask you to repeat them with your voice. Yeah. This is such an important step. Say it out loud. I want everyone just to repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, open my heart. Open my eyes. Open my ears. And open my mind. Show me that you're real. Lord, I'm willing. If you would show me that you're real, I'll walk with you. I'll believe in you. I'll trust you. Give me the courage to take the next step. Remove my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Give me faith. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to make yourself known to me. Show me who you are. Teach me your ways. Give me the courage to take off my headphones and to give you my attention. Not just, today, Not just today, but every day, but every day. So, that I can hear you calling my name. so that I can hear you calling my name, and I say, and I, say I, will answer, I will answer, and I will say yes. With the little faith I have, I say yes to you today. I surrender. I surrender. Come in. Come in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. I pray that they would experience the outpouring of your love in a way that they have never experienced it before. And I pray, Father, that you would overwhelm them with the love and presence of Jesus, that they would know that this is real. This is not religion. This is real. This is not theology. This is real. I pray you would do it in Jesus' mighty name.